If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to two places with me today. It's uh, Romans chapter 8 and uh, Genesis chapter 21. And uh, I kind of kind of sensed today that God just wanted me to come and bring some thoughts to you today. Really, I believe that just kind of perhaps just assist us in a, a next step in this summer shift is some things that, honestly, I didn't think I'd be ministering on, some thing, personal things that God's been ministering to me. And so I feel like this is probably more of an exhortation and uh, just some thoughts that God's been giving me concerning the summer, summer shift. So I'm going to connect some thoughts out of Romans chapter 8 and Genesis chapter 21. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, most of us are very familiar with this verse. Um, but how many of you know you've got to be careful what you're familiar with? Um, sometimes when you're familiar with something, it, it'll cause you to neglect something. And I believe there's some powerful truth in this verse. I, I made some mention to it last week during our time of worship and our time of giving and just really feel like God wants us to focus on this today. And I'm going to read it and give some thoughts today. And I believe it's going to help us as a people, as a family, celebration family, as we're just taking the next step into what God has for us. How many of you will believe with me for this moment that God will speak into our hearts? Amen. So, Father, I pray today that, God, we would have like laser focus on what heaven is doing in this moment. God, I thank you for every life that is in this room today, every person that is watching through technology. God, I believe that you have ordained this moment, and I'm asking for your help that you would use me, God, as a mouthpiece from heaven. Father, to, to declare answers and to bring help to your people. God, you know every situation. You know every circumstance. You know the pain. You know the suffering. You know, you know what they're believing for, what they're expecting, what they're praying for. Father, I just pray that in this moment that you will begin to do what only you can do. She would heal the broken hearts. God, that faith would be stirred in this, in this place today, in our lives today, in our homes, in our family. That God, having been in this moment, that we'll be better for it. Father, let, let nothing distract what you have for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen and amen. Romans chapter 8, as soon as I start reading it, you're going to say, well, I know that, but are you experiencing that? In Romans chapter 28, it says, and we know, and we, and we know, and we, and we know, I guess the question would be, do, do you know? Do, do you know? Um... Because you need to know this, and this doesn't just need to be a verse that you would put on your refrigerator or something you would just quote every once in a while, but, but you need to know this verse. There's no way you're going to be able to navigate through life and the life that we've been experiencing, especially the last couple of years, unless you know 
that you know that you know, and I'm asking, do you know? Do you know what God is saying here in Romans 8, 28? And we know that all things, all things, work together for the good of those who love God and for those who are called according to His purpose. Look, look, look at the condition there, those who love God. You're not just adding God to your life and giving Him a little bit of time here and there on a Sunday morning, but God is your life. You, you love, you're in pursuit of God. You love God, and then it says those who are called according to His purpose. I like one translation. It says those who are living for God's purpose. For those that are living for God's purpose, those who love God, those it's not just an add-on. You're passionate about God. This is what we know. This is what we know, that all things, all things work together. All things work together for the, the good. Yeah. Now, that word know, and um, just, just, just walk with me as I just share some of my thoughts that God's been speaking to me that I believe is going to be a huge help for us. That word know there um, means to see. It means to perceive, it means to realize, it means to recognize, it means to be aware. So you could actually say, and we see that all things, or we realize that all things, or we recognize uh, that all things. And why is that such an important distinction? It's because this is not the kind of knowing that comes from, from, from intellectual knowledge. This, this is huge especially if you're going to see this verse work in your life. This isn't the kind of intellectual knowing that comes by, by just learning, but it is, it is an inward perception. It's not from here. It's, it's from here. Um, and if you wasn't here last weekend, my wife did an absolutely awesome job in teaching about the Holy Spirit, the power within you. You're a whole lot bigger on the inside than you are on the outside. You're a whole lot smarter in here than you'll ever be right here. That's free of charge, by the way. If you weren't here, listen to the podcast. Go on YouTube. It is worth the listen. But it is the knowing here that, 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 that God's talking about is an inward perception that comes from God on the inside when you encounter Him, when you encounter Him, when you experience him. Some of you are wondering now, why did we take all that time in worship, 30 minutes? Because we're experiencing God, we're encountering God, and when you spend time with God, there, there just comes a, a seeing, a, a perception, a, 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 a knowing. It's, it's that intimacy, it's that intimacy that enables you to see things that you just would not normally see. If, 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 if God's just an add-on to your life, you're, you're really never going to see what you need to see. But if you ever begin to know God, that's the reason why our vision statement is to know God and to make Him known. We're, we're not talking about to know Him intellectually. There's a lot of people know Him intellectually, but they don't know Him. Uh, when it says to know God, and the Bible says to know God is eternal life, it's not talking about intellectual knowledge. It's talking about being intimate with God. If you want to really know what life is all about, eternal life, it's all about His presence. It's all about the intimacy with God. And that's the reason why this church exists. 
That's the reason why we're here today. We're taking time because we are experiencing God. We're, we're intimate with God. And in that moment, things begin to happen. Mm, I'm feeling it now. Things begin to happen that we just know that we, that we know. You, you, you just are aware of things that you weren't aware of before. You just become confident of things uh, that you weren't confident of things before. It's amazing what happens in a service like this. You can leave so confident that God is healing me, that God is delivering me, that God is setting me free, that God is working in my home. He's working in my marriage. He's working in my church. How, how, how do you get that confidence? It just comes from intimacy or spending time in his presence. It's, it's, it's that experience with with God. That's the reason why the Passion Translation uh, puts it, and we have a confidence that all things work together for the good of those who love God. You'll never figure God out in your head. <laughs> he's not to be known through your head. He's to be known through your, your heart. Faith is of the heart. It's that intimacy. It's that spending time. You could never spend too much time with God. Do we really need to sing another song? Yeah, you probably do. Yeah, you probably do. You probably need. Can I just rush out of here once he's done preaching? No, you probably should stick around just a little bit. Because you need to know that you know that you know. You've got to, you, you need to be made aware of things that you're not aware of. And to rush out and miss that is to miss life. It's to miss eternal life. So I put it like this in my notes. So this knowing is not about getting knowledge, it's about getting God. Now, don't get me wrong. We're not to be stupid. We're to learn and grow, but that's not what this is talking about. In all you're getting, get understanding. But there's just some things that you will not get because you sharpen your pencil and get your degree. It only comes in the presence of an almighty God. And it's encountering God in his presence that persuades you to know, that persuades you to know that God is taking all the stuff that you've been through in life and all the stuff that you're going through in life, and God's promise is that at the end of it, it's all going to be good. How do you know that? It is that encounter with God. It's spending time with God. Just one moment. I, I talk about moments all the time in this church. It's just one, one moment, one second in the presence of God can change everything. And it's in that moment that you just, you just know that you know, that you become aware that, that God is taking all the stuff that's gone on in my life and all the stuff that I'm going through in life, that somehow, some way, I just know no, I just know it's going to work out for my, my good. Come on, I'm here to declare to you today something good is about to happen. God's promise is that in the end it will be good. Somebody shout good. God doesn't have bad for you in the future. God has good. He has good for your home. He has good for your marriage. He has good for your bank account. God has nothing but good, for he is a good God. Mm. You see, God has an intended end for you. 
in mind. God has an intended end for your life. It's good. God has an intended end for your family, that he's, that he's working that all together. You just know because of that intimacy. You, you don't know because you have a degree. You don't know because you just studied hard. No, you know because you spent time with, is anybody catching this? You know that God has an intended end, a good intended end for your family because you've been spending time. Here's what I know about this church. God has a good intended end for it. Why? Because I've been spending time in the presence of Almighty, and I just know that I know you better get ready. I'm just aware that God is doing more than you would ever think or dream. The Bible says that God is working things. In other words, we could say it another way, uh, God is shifting things. Some are shift. God, there's a whole lot of shifting. There's a whole lot of shifting going on at celebration. God is working things because he has an end in mind. He has an end. There is an end game to this. There is an end. God has an end. It, it may not be fun now, but God has an end in mind. It may be painful right now, but God has an end in mind. And the end is always, 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 always good. Somebody shout good. God is working. I like what it says, all things together. It's amazing when you spend time on a verse how much you can get out of a verse. Instead of just treating it as common and familiar. He says he's working it all together, working together, working. God is working. Somebody say working together. Do, do you know that working together in the Greek language means it's co-laboring? It's, 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 it's partnering. God is working together. He's He's co-laboring. He's partnering. In other words, what God is doing is he's, 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 he, he, he takes your yesterdays and they're co-laboring with your todays to get you to God's intended end. You didn't hear that. God takes your yesterdays, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and they actually partner with your todays to get you to the intended end, which is good. Huh? Which, which, which is good. They're... they're, they're some of you have experienced so much hell that you're just waiting for the next shoe to, to fall. And my assignment here is just to share out of my heart and tell you there's, there's good coming your way. There's something good that's about to, if I could get you to believe it, to expect it, to spend time in God's presence, you would know that you know that you know. You would expect that you expect that you expect. You would be aware that you're aware that you're aware that good is coming to my to my life. Some of us have experienced so much bad. We're, we're afraid to answer the phone. We're, we're, we're afraid to look at the next email. We're, we're afraid to go out of the house. <laughs> but I'm here to tell you today, God has an intended end for you, and it's good, and it's good, and it's good, and we know, and we know, and we know that it's good, that it's good, that it's good. Somebody shout, it's good. So, so God takes all that stuff and he works it together. It's co-laboring, all that nasty stuff, all that painful stuff, all that stuff that you would have rather not gone through, and God's just working it together. It's all partnering. It's all co-laboring. It's all working itself out to 
the end result of good. I was thinking about, I was thinking about how to illustrate that, and I was just thinking as a kid that, that my, mom, my mom loved to make soup. Um, in fact, one of my, uh, I, I love to eat soup because she, she grew me up on soup. Now, I don't like soup for a main meal, but I always like to start out with soup. So anytime my wife tries to make me drink, uh, drink or eat soup for a main meal, it's like, no, that ain't no main meal. That's just the appetizer. That's just the beginning. But, but I like soup, and my mom made all kinds of soup. But there was always this one kind of soup where she would just kind of empty out the refrigerator of all the pre previous nights before. And so you have all this stuff she would put in a pot <laughs> from the dinner the night before and the dinner the night before and the dinner the night, all the strange stuff that by itself, woo, I don't know if you'd like it. And she had a, a way of putting that all into one pot and seasoning that and cooking that all day long. She would cook that. And, and you know, if you didn't look too close and you just, you just closed your eyes and ate it, you'd be shocked how good all that strange stuff. Come on. It was all working together for... But as a kid, if you ever looked at it real close, you'd go, what the heck is that spaghetti and that meatball and that corn? Huh? And I could go on and on because by itself, it's strange. I don't like it. But somehow, some way, she was able to get it to all work together, and it was the strange stuff. The strange stuff was, was really good. And this is why we need to spend time with God. This is why celebration makes no apologies for spending time experiencing God, because that's going to be your help. Because when we spend time with God and we're not just doing the religious gathering and trying to be on our way, trying to fit God into a piece of our life, when, when we really are serious about spending time with God and knowing God, um, then, then you begin to realize and you become aware and there's just a knowing that something good is going to come out of this. And that's really what I want to say today. I'm not done, but, but, but in this early introduction, that that's really what I'm trying to say, is that, is that something good is coming out of this. I, I don't know what your this is. I don't know what your situation is, but I've come to tell somebody today that something good is coming out of this. Something good is going to come out of that pain. Something good is going to come out of that suffering. Something good is going to come out of that disappointment. Come on. Something good is going to come out of that failure. I've come to tell somebody today, if you come on in here and begin to experience God and spend time in his presence, you'll have a knowing when you leave here. You'll have a smile on your face. Why? Because you'll know that you know that you know. Something good is coming out of this. I made a statement this last week, and we'll make it again, because this is how you should view life. These are the lenses you should put on, that if it's not good in your life, God is not done. If it's not good in your life, then according to the Bible, God is not 
done. Now, if you've signed up for misery and you like pain, have at it. But as for me and this house, we're going to have some good around here. Come on, we're going to serve God, and we're going to have some, some good. Somebody shout, something good is about to happen. Genesis chapter 21, I want to connect somehow what I just said in Romans 8 to Genesis chapter 21 is something that God's connected together in my thinking, and I believe it's the assignment. And um, in Genesis chapter 21, what has taken place is that, is that God has promised Abraham and Sarah that they're going to have a son. And... Uh, and the only problem is, is that 20 years has gone by and they have not had the promised child that God had, had promised. And so Sarah gets a little impatient and she decides that, that, that maybe, maybe her husband can spend a little time with her maid and maybe, maybe Abraham and the maid can have a child and it could be, it could, it could be the promise that God is promising. And so, and so Sarah goes to Abraham and she, she tells Abraham her, her idea, hey, why don't you spend the evening with my maid and you guys will have a child and, and we'll just fix this whole problem with God, right? And so Abraham, the Bible says, um, it's funny every time I read it, but the Bible says that Abraham heeded the, the voice of his wife. That's, that's funny to me. He heeded the voice. Yes, 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 babe, whatever you want me. You want me to go sleep with that woman? Yes, I'll, I'll, I'm on it right now. I'm on it. Uh, the Bible said, <laughs> she, she barely suggested, and the Bible says Abraham heeded the voice of Sarah. And uh, what happens is that Abraham and, and Hagar, uh, they, 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 they have this child, Ishmael. And so, and so it looks like the plan is working until somehow, some way, uh, God's promise came to pass and Sarah gets pregnant with, with Isaac. And uh, so Isaac is the promised child, and now we've got all this, 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 this stuff going on in the, in the home that complicates everything, and uh, it just kind of throws a wrench into everything. And so, so, so Hagar and Sarah, you have to go read it, begin to fight with one another, and, and then Sarah has had enough of all the dynamics in the home, and so, so, so Sarah tells Abraham, get that woman and get that other child that you made with Hagar, get her out of my house and get that child out of my house. And once again, Abraham, the Bible says, heeded the voice, smart man, heeded the voice of his, of his wife. And so then Abraham gives Hagar some food and water and sends them on their way. And that's where we pick up the story in Genesis chapter 21. Notice what it says in verse 14. Early the next morning, Abraham gave Hagar some food and a leather bag full of water. And he put the child on her back and sent her away. And she left and wandered about in the desert of Bathsheba. And when the water was all gone, she left the child, notice she left the child under a bush and sat down about 100 yards away. And she said to herself, I can't bear to see my child die. Why was she sit And while she was sitting there, she burst into tears. Verse 17 says, God heard the boy crying. Hear that? God heard the boy crying, crying from heaven. And the angel of God spoke to Hagar. What are you troubled about, Hagar? 
Don't be afraid. We, we could stop there and, and, and really, really emphasize that. Here she is in, in just a dead end of her life. Her, her child's dying. She's soon to die herself. And, and God has the audacity to say, don't be afraid. Yeah, but what about the monkeypox? Don't be what about recession? God is saying, don't. It's so important in what's going on that you don't, you don't sign up for all the fear that society is trying to give you and to sell you. Because you've got to understand that it is fear that allows the enemy to put on you what he wants on you, what you do not want. It is faith that receives from the hand of God, but it is fear that brings you what you don't want in your life. Do not fear, Hagar. God has heard the, the boy crying. Notice what he says here. Get up, go and pick him up and comfort him, for I will make a great nation out of his descendants. Wow. So God wants peace for the Arab and the Jewish people. Not just the Jewish people. God wants peace for them all. God's got a promise for them all. I could get lost in that. I'll stay away from it. Verse 19, then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well, and she went and filled the leather bag with water and gave some to the boy. This, this is a powerful story. It's a story that God's been using in my life, especially concerning the summer shift. Let, let me just take a few more moments and, and just expound some thoughts and some ideas from this, this story, and, and, and Nick, you can come and you can help me. Uh, here is Hagar. She is stranded in the desert, and the Bible says that she's ran out of food and water, and the Bible says, stay with me, it's very important, the Bible says that her son is about to die. Now, her son here represents her dream. It's, it's actually God's promise to her. So, so, so what's dying here is, is, her, is her dream. It's, it's God's promise. To, it's, 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 it's actually her future. Her future is dying in front of her. Her, her. her dream is dying in front of her. And so she's dealing with the reality that her dream is dying, that there is no hope, that it's over, that, that really her life is coming or her son's life is coming to an end. I just think we could pause right there and ask you a question today. Do you, do you have a dream that seems to be dying in your life? That, that's what was happening with Hagar. She gets the boot. They send her off to fend for herself. They, they, ran, they, they didn't give her enough food, didn't give her enough water. Now she's in the desert. Her child is, is dying. Her dream is dying. Her future is dying. Well, what is it that is, that is dying in your life? What is it that seems to be over? No hope. Too late. What's really interesting to me when I read this story is that Hagar actually is in the crisis too. As, as Ishmael. It's not just Ishmael dying, but they've ran out of water. So, so she's aware that she is dying as she's watching her dream die. 
She's aware that she's dying as she is watching her dream die. Hmm. Are you dying because your dream is dying? Isn't that usually what takes place? Our dream, our future, our destiny, our our God promise, it it, it doesn't seem like it's going to happen. It doesn't seem like it's going to work. And so because it's dying, we start dying with with the dream. Have you quit living because you feel like there's no hope for your dream? I'm just talking to people here today where you might feel like, how could anything good come out of this? I'm here to tell you God's got an intended end. I, I, I hope you know that you know that you know that you know. Otherwise, you're going to spend the rest of your life in tears, crying over what could have been. So she's, she's weeping, realizing that she's dying as she watches her dream dies. I can only imagine the thoughts that Hagar must have had in this moment for the mess that she found herself in. If you put yourself in the story there, what, what, what must she have been thinking? I mean, her son's moments from dying, she knows she's probably not, not too long after she'll be gone. Everything's lost. It's hopeless. I wonder what she's thinking. Maybe she's thinking what we would be thinking. Why, God? Really, God? Has it really come to this? Maybe she's taking the moment, and we wouldn't call it blaming God, but we do blame God. God, why did you let this happen? Really, God? Why, God? We're, we're, is, this, is this how it's going to end? God, God here, here, here's what we do. God, God. Don't, don't you care? God, 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 don't you care? Probably she went through that emotion and she's probably blaming God and talking to God and God, aren't you going to fix it? And God, aren't you going to show up? And God, God, you could fix it if you wanted to fix it. And this wouldn't have happened if you would have been here sooner. Why God, why God, why God, don't you care? Or, or maybe she went on to the next part. Maybe she... She started to blame others. I mean, she's dying as she's watching her dream die. Maybe she's blaming others. You know, I didn't sign up for this. This was Abraham's and Sarah's idea. I never wanted to sleep with that guy anyhow. It's their fault, Lord. You know, the ones that you're going to use to raise up a whole nation, God, it's all their fault. It's funny how we, when things are dying, instead of believing, we start blaming Instead of believing for some good, we start blaming what we think is really the problem. God, I, God, I didn't want to do this. This was, God, this was Plan B. It was, it was, it was Sarah's idea. She, she, she had this whole plan how we were going to help you out and and how we would have a promised child because God, you were taking too long. God, God, this is their fault. I did. I had nothing to do with it. Had nothing to do with it. It's all their fault. <laughs> I uh. Y'all, y'all okay? Y'all still with me? All right, I'll see you next week. I was getting a haircut the other day, and uh, uh, this guy I've went to for years, just a great, great barber, and uh, it's usually my therapy sessions. I don't know if it's for him or for me, but 
We do it every two weeks, and it's just a wonderful, wonderful time. Well, I'm sitting in this chair <laughs> this, this uh, couple weeks ago, and I'm just sitting there, and we're talking as we usually do, and I'm just smiling, and all of a sudden, um, all of a sudden, I feel this extreme pain on my ear, and I go, I think he just cut my ear. And he was buzzing away and just kept buzzing, and somehow, someway, he's never done, I've gone to him for years, and he's... He nicked my ear, but he didn't just nick it. He nicked it. He, he, I, I don't even cuss, and I wanted to cuss. I, I'm just, and I'm thinking, you know, that feels warm now, and it feels like something's running down my ear, and he just is talking away, talking about his golf game, and talking about this, and, and, and I'm thinking, I, my barber just cut my, he just, do I, did he cut my ear off? Is my ear even still there? And I, did, I didn't want to lift my hand up. I just left it alone. And then the barber had the audacity. He finally sees my ear and he says, did you cut yourself shaving this morning? And I couldn't hold it in any longer. I said, no, you did that. He says, well, you're getting blood over everything. I'm going to have to charge you for that, too. I said, I said, I said, I didn't say it out loud. I said, but the devil is a liar. Here, this barber's trying to blame me for, he's trying to blame me for everything. Isn't that how we do, right? Instead of believing, we just start blaming. <laughs> I didn't do that. I couldn't have cut his ear. I, I didn't do that. I don't have scissors. I don't have a machete in my hand. You did it. And I'm not paying for it either. <laughs> I, wonder what, I wonder what Hagar's doing. God, this, this is their fault. But, but the truth of the matter is, if you read the story, she was an innocent in all of this. I know we like to think so, but... The Bible's very clear that, that she despised Sarah. She made fun of Sarah because Sarah couldn't have a child. She actually mocked Sarah. So maybe in this moment she feels like, you know what, that was pretty stupid of me. You know, maybe I'm getting what I deserve. Man, I shouldn't have been so, so critical. I shouldn't have been so nasty in that situation. Maybe I should have been more polite. Maybe, maybe I'm being judged in this situation. I, God, I know I've made some bad decisions. God, I know that I've made some bad... Come on, I'm talking to anybody. She's watching her dream die, and she's probably going through the gamut here of all these scenarios, and she's, she's saying, God, I probably deserve this. I know I've done some bad things. I know that I've made some bad choices. Is this how my dream is going to die? What Hagar does in that desperation, the Bible says that she lays her child under a bush, some shrubs. The child's crying, and the Bible goes, says that she goes about 100 yards to get away from the child so she doesn't have to see the child die. And with a broken heart, she sits down and she begins to weep. And it's in that moment that the Bible says that God heard the cry of the child. Th this is a whole sermon in itself, and I want to just hit it and go. 
But, but, but notice the Bible did not say that God heard the cry of Hagar. That God heard the cry of the child. I'm here to tell you your dream, your God-given dream has a voice. Why? Because it was given by God and God intends to, for it to have an intended end. The Bible says heaven and earth shall pass away, but not one word from heaven, not one word, not one promise shall pass away. And I'm here to tell you your dream, your God-given dream, your God-given desires, your God-given assignment, your God-given purpose is crying out to heaven for its intended end. And the Bible says that when God heard the cry of the dream, God speaks to Hagar to get up and to go pick up the child. To go pick up the child. And the Bible says when she picked up the child, the Bible says that God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. In fact, let me read it again in verse 19. We're almost done. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. Catch that. What looked like was the end is only a brand new beginning. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well. That's what they need. This is what they need to sustain the dream. This is what they need to sustain their life. And God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water and she went and filled the skin with water and gave the lad a drink. In other words, what had been invisible to her became visible once she picked it back up. When she picked the dream back up, what was hidden from her, all of a sudden she could see it. She knew it. What she needed to sustain the dream was provided when she did what God said to do, when she picked the child back up. Once she gave God her yes, somebody needs to hear this today. Once she gave God her yes, she began to see what she could not see before. Some of you are stuck because you're not picking your dream back up. But if you'll pick it back up, God will allow you to see something that you've never seen before. He'll let you see the provision. He'll let you see the miracle. Come on, somebody. Now, I got to stop right here because because this is why I'm sharing this. I was driving in my truck a couple weeks ago, coming down out of the mountains, just, just listening to a podcast. A mentor of mine that I've listened to for years has had great, great, great impact in my life. And uh, I was listening to a certain teaching, and he was using the, an illustration that he had been using for the last 25 years that I've heard him, and I probably have heard it. If I haven't heard it once, I've heard it 100 probably a thousand times. I've just, I've heard this illustration so, so many times. And he was sharing this illustration about how him and his wife were believing for a car, that this is, this is early on when they just, they just accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And they found out in the Word of God that God supplies your needs. And so, so they were, they were believing God for a, for a car. And so they, 
they, they prayed together and they agreed together and they, they actually set a time date on it. Said, we're going to believe God for a car and I don't know how many months it was, maybe two or three months. And, and so they, they did that and they were just new in, in the faith and new with all the God stuff. And so they just thought, well, we'll just believe God for a new car and we'll, we'll give him at least three months or something like that. And so they prayed, they believed and and every day they're just declaring, they're just believing. We, God, we just know you're going to provide this car. God, you, you know we need a car, Lord. And we know you're going to provide this car. And we're just believing. And, 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 and they get to the very last day that they had put the date and, and the, the time on. And uh, they, they knew that that must be the day because this is we're, we've been believing. We've been, we've been expecting. And so it kind of got quiet in the evening time. And then about midnight, when the clock struck midnight, they realized that that they didn't have a, a new car. They didn't have a car at all. That God didn't seem to have answered that, that prayer. And he said he looked at his wife, and they just kind of didn't say anything to anybody. They just kind of went to bed in disappointment. How many times have we done that? Believe in God, believe in God, and it, it just doesn't happen. And, and so they get back up, and they don't talk about it for months, and they ended up going to Bible school. And at Bible school, they begin to study the Word of God, and they, they come to realize that, 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 that our part is not giving God a date and a time, that our part is believing, and it's God's part to determine when it needs to show up. And when he got that revelation and that understanding, he heard God say to him, he said, you know what, you were doing really good believing me for that car until you allowed a little wristwatch with some mechanisms and a hand reached 12 o'clock at night, you allowed that to talk you out of the dream that I had for you. And, and, and when he heard God say that to him, you've allowed a, a little piece of machinery, some mechanism and, and some hands on a watch to talk you out. He said, but, but listen to me, it's not too late. You can still pick that dream back up and believe me for it. And man, when he heard that, he just picked it back up and believed God. And it wasn't just a few months that God gave them a brand new car. I've heard that illustration when I was 30 years old. I'm almost, it's hard to even say it. It's hard. But, but I'm a lot older than that now. Come on, are you still with me? Come on, don't miss this. And, and I'm driving in my truck, and I've heard this, oh, my goodness, over and over and over. But I heard it differently this time. And when he said that he heard God said you could pick it back up, that hit me on the inside. I felt like God was saying it's not too late. You can pick it back up. Isn't it interesting? Because, because why that was impacting me is because, because I'm not as young as I used to be. And when I was young, the devil always lied to me. He always said, well, you're just too young. God can never use you. And then he flips that. And I don't know what age he flips that, but it's never the right time. He starts telling you, oh, you're too old. That'll never happen. Come on, Come on. Come on somebody. Can I get a witness in here? He's always trying to disqualify you. And when, when, that, when that preacher said that, that hit me on the inside, and I realized I'm doing the same thing. Me and Sheree moved here some 30 years ago with dreams on the inside. And I'm here to tell you, we've seen so many of them come to pass, but there's a whole lot of them that we have not seen them come to pass. And it's easy to start checking boxes and say, well, you know what, I'm getting older now. You know, 
God was telling me you're doing the same thing he was doing. You're allowing a calendar and a date and a birthday to talk you out of what I have for you. But it's not too late. You can pick it back up. Somebody shout, you can pick it back up. And when she picked her child, the thing she thought was over, when she picked it back up, the Bible says she could see things that she could not see before. What she needed to sustain the life was in her willingness to pick it back up. God's got some dreams for you. God's got some promises for you. God's got a future for you. And if you won't quit on God, and if you'll stop declaring the benediction, and you'll go over there and release some faith and pick that back up, because it's not too late. As long as you have breath, as long as you're breathing, I'm here to tell you, you can pick it back up, and God can work that miracle in your life. you'll pick it back up, you'll start seeing the stuff that you've been needing to see. You'll start seeing the resources that you've been crying out for. Come on, you'll start seeing the God stuff that you've been praying for. You need to pick it back back up. I've come to tell somebody here today who's laid their dreams down, pick it back up and lift it up to God. Watch God open your eyes to the provision for that dream. The provision will show up once you pick it back up. The provision will show up. Some of you are trying to figure, how are we going to do this? How are we going to pick the dream back up? Pick the passion back up. Pick the desire back up. Pick the intimacy back up and watch God open. Because we know, 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 we know. We know, we know. It's time to pick it back up, to believe again, trust again, obey again. What is it that you need to pick back up? Here's what I know about God. God has a destiny for your life, and He is committed to an intended end. And when it's all said and done, it's going to be good. I'm always amazed at here I am just exhorting, and I've gone almost what? A long time. <laughs> That's why my son always says, son, Dad, Dad, you don't need notes. Just get up there and... I, I want to close with this powerful thought that really connects this big bowl of soup. most important thing that I've said all day and I'm going to say it right now. Throughout the scriptures, throughout your Bible, I'm going to make this quick. We are given different names of God. And each name reveals a specific characteristic about our God. Uh, most of us have been in church. We, we know those names. We, we know like Elohim, which is creator God. We, we, uh, El Elyon, which is the most high God. You've, you've heard, if you've been in church or 
for any length of time, you've heard the different names of God that characterizes the, the, the parts of God. And they, they show up in certain stories where a person would get a revelation. Oh, that's the God. He's, he's the most high God. Oh, he's the creator God. Uh, maybe, maybe a more familiar one would be El Shaddai. Most of us know, know that one. Where God reveals himself as the almighty God or he's the all-sufficient one. And there's so many different Just a wonderful study. If you ever want to do it, is just, just study the, 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 the names of God because it gives you a characteristic of God. But, but one of the names of God that, that most people are not aware of is El Roy. El Roy. How many of you have ever heard El Roy? Not many of you. It's not something that's preached about a lot. El Roy, like, like on the screen there, means the God who sees me. The God who sees. When, when's the last time you heard a message on El Roy? We hear about El Shaddai, but not El Roy, the God who sees me. The reason why I bring this to our, our attention is because guess who it is that God chooses to reveal his character, El Roy, to for the very first time? It is this precious woman named Hagar. The very first time that God introduces himself as the God who sees, it's in a messed up life of Hagar. And it was Hagar herself at the end of her life because of, because of God's involvement in her life and in her mess and, and in her soup that, that she is the one that declared that he is the God of El Roi. He is El Roi, which literally is translated, hear it, it's literally translated not the God who sees, but the God who sees me. That, that's what she was saying. It, it first came out of her mouth. He is El, El Roy. He is, he is the God that sees, but not just the God who sees. He's the God that sees me. Oh, if you get this revelation, it'll absolutely change your life. She was saying, he's the God that sees me. He's the God that cares about me. He's the God who loves me. He's the God that sees my struggle, my hurt. Oh, see, 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 we all know God loves the world, but does God love me? We know that God cares about the world, but does God care about, and it's Hagar that's introduced to this God that makes it so personal. He's interested about me. He's El Roy, El Roy. You see, Hagar's encounter with God, encounter with God is what opened her eyes. You missed it. I worked really hard to set that up. It was her encounter with God, spending time with God, knowing God, that opened her eyes to know something, to be aware of something. Hello. For we know, for we know, for we are aware, for we see. And Hagar is having an encounter with God in her messed up soup, in her messed up life, and God reveals himself, hey, Hagar, I don't just care about the world, I care about you. I care about your problems, I care about your situation. 
And it's in this encounter that she's having with God that God opens her eyes to see and to know and to realize things about her God that she did not know. For the first time when she encountered El Royi, she could see that God sees me. That this is what changed her life. That this, when she began to see that God cares about me, that God, God is concerned. I've come to tell somebody that there is a place of intimacy with God that will open your eyes. There is a pursuit in the things of God. There is a moment of worship in God that can open your eyes to see things about your God that will cause you to know that you know that you know that you know God sees me. God cares about me. God is working on me. God is showing up in my home, my life, my marriage, my money. Come on, somebody. There's a place, here's, there's a place in God that will enable you to see, that will empower you to see that God really cares about you, that God really sees you, that God really loves you. It's, it's El Roy. It's El Roy. And, and because of her encounter, I'm, I'm done, because of her encounter with God, um, because of her worship to God, because of her pursuit of God, because of her intimacy with God, you know what happened? She began to see how God sees. It isn't just that God sees me, but she was able to see that God sees me. Oh, you didn't hear me. She, she was able to, the intimacy with her God enabled her to see that God really does. God, you care. You really have seen what the hell I've been going through. God, you see me. And, and, and when you, uh, it's in that moment that she sees how God sees that opens her eyes to see what God sees. She didn't see the water until she's seen a God that cared about her. And I've come to help somebody today because you don't think God cares about you, but here's what I'm telling you. If you'll just pursue after God, His presence will empower you to know that you know that you know that you're aware that you're aware that you're aware that you're persuaded that you're persuaded that you're persuaded that somehow in some way all this stuff's coming out of the refrigerator it's all strange but they're going to put it in a pot and they're going to stir it around and something good is coming out of my life somebody shout yes stand to your feet Somebody shout, God sees me. You see, that'll change, that revelation will change your life when you see that God sees. It's one thing to know that God sees humanity, but do you know that you know that you know that God sees you?
cares about you. I could just start, I could just start, I could just start, please, nobody moving. I could just start pointing fingers and saying, you know what, God really cares about you, sir. Man, God really cares about you. Do, do you see that? Do, do you see that he sees the financial struggle? God, God sees it, sir. God, God, God sees. Do you see that he sees what you see concerning the doctor? He sees it. He cares about it. And it was the Eroi, the revelation, that when she learned to see how God sees, she began to see what God sees. And what she's seen was provision and not lack. Whew. Abundance and not shortage. Come on, I'm here to tell you, God has nothing but good in your future, and you'll never see what God sees until you see how God sees. He is El Roy E. He is a God that cares for you. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Come on. Oh, come on, church. just give a few more moments. That's the reason why I wanted to land the plane here because I think we could take five minutes oh, yeah. and just, just be intimate with God. Allow us to step into a moment where we can start knowing. We could be made aware of. I've come to tell somebody something good is about to happen. There is a shift coming in your life. I feel this. There is a shift coming in your life that the devil's tried to talk you out of it. But I'm here to tell you, if it's not good, God's not done. Something good is coming out of that mess. Something good is coming out of that pain. Something good is coming out of that disappointment. And all God needs is your, your worship. But the problem in the American church is we ain't got time for that because we got to get to the buffet and we got to get our kids out of class before somebody else, you know, gets in line and we're here all day and we got stuff to do and, and you can do life on your own too. Or your eyes can be open to the provision that God has for you. What, what does it take? Just surrender. That's where we're going. That's where this church is going. Just a, just a surrendered heart to God. God's saying, you're the most important thing. Some of you, your life is good, but your life is going to be better than it's ever been. In other words, in other words, don't settle for where you're at. Better's coming. Oh, I hear that. Some of you, you think you're all that in a bag of chips because you got the business and you got the car and you got the smoking wife, but hey, there's God's got something better for you. Lift your hands to heaven. Lift your hands to heaven. You me. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus. 